It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is is the Go Birds Podcast. The Go Birds podcast presented by Parks, Casino, and Sportsbook. Um, obviously, uh, yesterday, we're, we're coming to you recording on uh, uh, Thursday, January 7th, January 6th, 2021. Obviously, a, a day that will live in infamy. Uh, we're an Eagles podcast. We're here to talk Eagles. We're going to talk Eagles. But, Elliot, I I, I just felt like I, I had to say something off the top. Uh, kind of just reacting to what happened yesterday and, and where we're at. Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, you just did a four-hour show. I so just I'm did, sure you're coming yeah. off of it I'm know, a, with, I'm with, for, some, with some thoughts. Yeah, you know. for those, uh, if you're wondering if I don't sound as energetic as normal, I'm mentally, emotionally fully drained right now after that four hours after yesterday. Really just yesterday alone, you know, spending the whole day watching it happen and, and all that. Um, I just... I just feel profound sadness right now um, as an American, as someone who loves this country, who's grown up um, lucky to, to receive a lot of the, the benefits that this country offers. And obviously it doesn't offer it to everyone. We've talked about the racial issues in this country and all that type of stuff. But as an American, to see what was happening yesterday and, I mean, just the idea that Domestic terrorists sieged the Capitol. I mean, just that statement alone, it sounds like something from a movie that would never happen in my lifetime or my, my daughter's lifetime. You know, it's something I thought I would never see in my life. And I, I just, I come out of yesterday just just really sad for, for where we're at in this country that there's such a gargantuan divide and there's so much anger and and look i in a lot of cases i understand i understand where anger comes from and all that but um you know there i think yesterday an unforgivable line was crossed by many people and um it's something that we're gonna have to reckon with for, for a long time like everything just doesn't get better today tomorrow whatever um and I, i'm just you know com- really concerned about the future of the country, Elliot. And uh, it's just, um, it's all really upsetting. I'm really upset today. Yeah. Well, look, we were texting during it. And, you know, I I wish I was better at saying like profound things or taking my thoughts and putting them into better like groups of words when it comes to this. Like, because I know in my heart that what I saw yesterday was wrong. I know that I'm on the right side of this. Like, I, I know that when I looked at what was happening, like that's wrong and that like it should never have gotten to this point. And I know that like when I was looking at it, it's interesting. I think this year, especially we've all become so numb to stuff, you know, like, I mean, we're literally living through a global pandemic and it's almost, we're almost numb to it at this point. Right. Or like, you know, all the, it's a great point, man. It's really just the last year, like the last nine months. Right. 
feel like more than we've lived through in the in my 38 years prior, you know? Right. And yeah, 38. I mean, you're really old. Like you've seen a lot of stuff. I'm going to be 40 (laughs) this year, Elliot. 2021, I'm going to be 40. And as a young 33 year old, you know, I've not seen as much, but I I just think there's, you know, there's a part of me that's watching it yesterday on TV and it's almost like I'm watching a movie and I can't even really process that it's like really happening. You know, like you, you watch it and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. But in your head, you're like, well, you know, I'm not in DC right now. So it feels not as real, but it just, it's crazy. I've been really into reading history books recently. And I've been thinking a lot throughout the year about how many books will be written about this year, but like there'll be multiple books written about yesterday. Like I saw a tweet saying that, you know, the Confederate flag had never been in the Capitol until yesterday and just, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, who knows what will happen. I hope that nothing else bad happens. Who knows? But it's just, like we're literally living through history. Like there's going to be so many books written about what's happening right now and about the presidency of Donald Trump. And this is going to be, you know, the pinnacle moment. And I think we saw a lot of people say yesterday, well, I can't believe this is happening. And that's true. Like, I don't think anybody thought we would ever come to a world where people overtook the Capitol. Like as much as you want to say, well, we saw this coming. Like, I don't think anyone thought it would get to that degree. But also at a certain point, I, I see a lot of, you know, pundits and stuff out there saying, well, you would, you know, this is stuff you see in a third world, third world country. And it is, but like, I don't think we can say that anymore because we saw that yesterday happen right here. So it was definitely crazy to watch. Um, and, you know, me and you were texting about, you know, do we talk about it? Do we bring it up? And there's always a part of me that when it comes to these issues where it's like, it's easier just to talk about the Eagles. Cause I know that people listening to this podcast have very different I'm sure there's a a ton of opinions out there, right? Like different political leanings, different thoughts on all types of things, protesting, all that stuff. And people will listen and some people won't, won't agree with us. But I guess what I really thought yesterday too, was I hope that everyone that's listening that disagrees with us can talk to us about it like rationally. And I think yesterday was the pinnacle of, you know, us being so divided and the only way of like ever handling it is through ways like yesterday. And so, yeah, I don't really know if I have anywhere else to go with it, but well, that's think, just kind of all, I, all my thoughts. I think you made great points. And, um, you know, you, you talk about the history books thing. That was something Emily and I were talking about yesterday is is Zoe. You know, I have a two-year-old daughter yeah. who is living through this, you know, a pandemic, like you said. And then what happened yesterday, and I, and I think about when she's old enough to understand and to, to comprehend, because she has no idea what's happening around her. You know, she's living this blissful life, no idea what's happening in the world around her, obviously, and no way to comprehend it even if she did know. Um, but I think about when she's old enough to, to understand what yesterday was, what the last nine months have been, all that type of stuff. Like, how am I going to talk to her about this? How am I going to tell her? You know, because it's, it's, it's wild, man. Like, it's wild again. Like, to well, your... she'll, she'll look at pictures of it she'll and be, think, she'll wow, it in the school. world was a different place. Yes. That's what look, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hope, we hope it gets better from here. I mean, I'm, you know, you're scared about the future with, with something like that happening yesterday. But yeah, I mean, like, you, I mean, that is, uh, uh, people will study this in history books for the rest of, of our lives. And, you know, the world was watching. The world was watching as our, our capital, the, the heart of democracy, the heart of what America is, what it was built on, what it was founded on, what we believe in, what offers us the freedoms that we have, the heart of it is that Capitol building, is that dome in Washington, D.C., where, where, where Congress happens. And it was sieged yesterday. It was under control by people other than, you know, uh, the authorities and the Congress. And it was, it was, it was taken over. And... I thought Joe DeCamera, and, and we'll get to the Eagles in a sec. I know there are a lot of people, if you want to skip ahead, look, we get it. We don't, you know, we totally understand. But like Elliot said, I think there are certain things, and we've done this before. We've talked about Black Lives Matter, and we've talked about things that are important when they happen and that need to be addressed, and, and we both feel this is one of those things. Um, well, I'd also imagine everybody listening, and I know this is an escape, but, like, this is probably also something everybody's been thinking about, too. Absolutely, so. yeah. Like, it, for me, it's even hard to talk Eagles. Like, we're going to talk Eagles, but I'll tell you, it's— as I talk about the Eagles, a, a good portion of my mind is still going to be on this, on on what happened yesterday. And I, uh, to, to kind of finish it out, I thought, just to put it in perspective, I, I thought Joe DeCamera made an, a really amazing point on the midday show today that I hadn't thought about and I hadn't seen anyone else put out, but is really hits to the core of it. And he talked about Flight United 93. 
on September 11th. And, you know, we all know what happened and how those heroes, like, if you want to talk, their hero is a word that's thrown around, and jokingly, this and that, whatever. Like, that's the true definition of heroes. The people on yeah. that plane who got reports on their phones that that, that plane was going to target a building. And they did something about it. And they risked their, they gave their lives to, to save what turned out to be the Capitol building. The Capitol building was what that plane's target was. And those people gave their lives in, in the most horrific way possible. I mean, think about, you know that's a death mission. You're saying, we're going to die. We're taking this plane down so it doesn't destroy, and they didn't know on the plane that it was the Capitol was targeted, so it doesn't destroy a building in America. It doesn't kill way more people than that. And for those people who gave their lives for that, like, think about the fact that that building that they saved was taken over yesterday by domestic terrorists. I mean, that is... That, yeah, it's wild. It, it's wild, man. And and I just... Uh, you know, I'm... But that that's what I'm saying about feeling numb to it in a way. Like, even just calling it wild, I feel like doesn't... Yeah, do you're right. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's <laughs> insanity. Know, like, it's insanity. It is, is uh, again, among the craziest things. It's right there with 9-11 and the craziest things that's happened in our lifetime. And obviously 9-11, a tragedy, and, and I'm not comparing those things in terms of death and all that, but in terms of, of the craziest things that have happened in our lifetime, it's right there at the top of the list. What happened Well, yesterday? think about this. You're, you're 38, I'm 33. I'd I'm imagine 39 now. I'm 39. Case, 39, right. But I'd imagine in our listening, uh, people listening, we're probably similar type ages. Like, of the top four or five things in our life that we'll say, like, we were alive for that, like, three of them have happened, you know, in the last, like, nine months. Yeah. No question. <laughs> right? Like, you figure the Black Lives Matter movement, the, the uh, pandemic the itself. Pandemic. Yeah. And now this. Right. So, I, you know, and you say that your mind is elsewhere. And I think that's true for a lot of people. But I do know, like, it's super nice to be able to talk Eagles, too. Like, to step aside. Totally. And, and, and look, we need those. We need, there's a reason that sports are a distraction. And, you know, it is okay. Like, it's okay to to not always have to think about the horrible things that are happening around and to try and find solace in things you love. Like, that's the point of things you love. Yes. And, well, here's a good thing about the Eagles, too, though. They literally always give us something to talk about. It's so like true. Every, <laughs> every Almost time, too much, like, you might say, Ellie. Yeah. So, but look, I, I like I said, uh, you know, me and you like to kind of pull the curtain back on, you know, the pod and what we talk about. And like I said, we were texting about this and debating whether to talk about it. But I'm happy you did because it does feel like it was important for you to say those things. And, you know, I'm, for everybody listening, you know, I... Um, if you want to talk to us about it, DM us or whatever. But I'm I'm happy we talked about it to start the podcast. Yeah, and I want to thank everyone for for listening to us and allowing us to do this. Because again, to the point, you do come here for Eagles talk. You come here to hear about the birds and a team we all love and and care about. And and um, allowing us the opportunity to use our forum to talk about these things and the the limited times when we felt that it's so important we need to. Um, from the bottom of my heart, like, thank you for, for allowing us to do that. And, and like Elliot said, we'd love to keep the conversation going to react with you, whatever. But, um, just on a basic level, I, I am from the bottom of my heart, truly appreciative to everyone who, who gives us this opportunity to you know, speak about these things and to, to try and, you know, um, you know, go through this together. Um, so it means a lot. Well, you know, speaking of terrible things, should we talk about Rich Gangarilla? Yeah, so let, let's swing it over. A perfect segue. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you've uh, skipped ahead, you can stop skipping. We are talking Eagles now. Uh, yeah, let's get into what's been going on. Um, we still somehow are not through with this tanking thing, at least since last time we talked. We'll get to that in a minute. Just a couple of the kind of put a bow on that and, and get your take on some of the voices that, uh, that came out on that from the locker room, obviously. Miles Sanders on the WIP Midday Show, Jason Kelsey, a very different perspective. I yes. want to get into all that, but let's start with the coaching stuff because that is, I think, certainly the news of the day with the Eagles. For those who have not seen, uh, it's been reported the Eagles are moving on from Rich Scangarello, uh, Marty Morningwig, and uh, we'll see past that. Howard Eskin was on the Midday Show today and said he does not expect Press Taylor to be back. That's what he's hearing. He did not report it. Uh, he said that? But he's, right. he, he said that's what he's hearing. He didn't report it, but he said that's what I'm hearing. We'll see is what he said. So up in the air as far as Press Taylor goes, but what is your initial take on kind of an offensive coach house cleaning? So when it was reported that Doug Peterson was going to be back, 
I mean, we, we were on there when it happened and it was like, oh, Doug's going to be back. Um, I had become like a little less sure of that over the last few days. And so this news coming out to me means that when Doug and, uh, you know, Jeffrey and Howie met, they're like, this is the result of that meeting. I, I think this is a sign that they are going to be definitely bringing Doug back and that this is going to be another off season of over, over changing the coaching staff. Now, you know, to talk about Scangarillo and Morningwig before we get to the future staff is it's almost kind of pointless because they were such a disaster. And I don't even think that and we didn't even Morning really Wig, know what they did. Right. I mean, we know Marty worked right, with Jalen Hurts, but so, like, that's like all we know. So like Morningwig has had a long career in the NFL. I think you can argue he's had a you know successful career. Like he's been a lot of different places. I, I he, he knows how to coach, right? Like, Scangarillo, though, to me, was a mistake like from the jump. I mean, you fi- you hired someone that was fired from the Denver Broncos who were already a bad offense. Like, I wasn't super impressed like the few times that Scangarillo talked. I just, to me, it seemed just like a bad hire from, from the jump. Um, so I think the Scangarillo hire, to me, signals more of a failed attempt to put coaches around Doug to force something new upon him. And that the problem was, A, I don't think that's a winning strategy, but B, I also don't think that, you know, they had the right coaches. So I think there's a world where you can hire new coaches and put them around Doug and it will work, but they just have to do a much better job of it. So the question is coming out of the meeting, who's making these hires, right? Like, what's the plan moving forward? Are they going to be allowed to call plays? Like, there's three very distinct paths the Eagles can take here, and they can't do what they did last year, which is just kind of a smorgasbord, convoluted, uh, complicated coaching structure. Because Doug even said flat out a few weeks ago, like there needs to only be one voice. And uh, that has to be the key going into next season. I am so, I mean, we heard that all year, right? Whether it's with Carson or with Doug or too many cooks in the kitchen, too many voices. Oh, I mean, that was a, a theme. And granted, not always reporting and stuff, but just something that was talked about a lot. A lot of people around the team said that type of stuff. I, I mean, I'm very disappointed that Skango turned out to be the most fun thing about Rich Skango. Yeah, just calling him great Skango. Nickname. It was the highlight of the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very clear Skango was just a bad hire. Um, and you made the point. Look, so credit to you because you said it when they heard him. You're like, this guy was just fired after one year in Denver. Right. Like, I don't know. And it did feel like, look, when they did hire Scangarello, and obviously not as an offensive coordinator and stuff, it was after that search. Like, let's take ourselves back to last offseason. Obviously. We all remember the Mike Groh and Carson Walsh firings and, you know, Doug not knowing and then, you know, all that that craziness. But then after that, we don't talk a ton about the offensive coordinator search that happened and the failure, honestly, to lure guy after guy, whether it was Graham Harrell or James Urban or all these names we heard. It was constantly miss, 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 miss. And then they end up just elevating Press Taylor a little bit, bringing Skango in. They brought Marty in way later. And it was like, there was no, first of all, like you pointed out, there was no plan. There was no plan in terms of organizational, this guy reports to this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and there's like a, 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 a top-down thing that works. And I think that was a part of bringing in these voices and not giving them a set, you know, role and, and all that type of stuff. But I think on a basic level, I think that they didn't get the guys they were hoping for last offseason and kind of settled with Skango. And that's why I think what you brought up is the most interesting part of this whole offensive coach discussion, of the offensive coordinator discussion, is are they going to give play calling to that offensive coordinator? Because I think that's going to be the only way they can really lure the type of offensive minds that they they at least purport to want, Elliot. Well, that's the it, you don't have to think it. It's the, the fact. They are not going to get a, a good offensive coach if they don't give them play calling. And Last offseason, I thought that they could. Like, I looked at it and said, you know what? Frank Reich became a head coach uh, underneath Doug. So they've seen that it can happen. Filippo ended up not, you know, being good when he got hired, but he ended up getting an offensive coordinator job uh, off of the Eagles, right? So, like, you saw people from the Eagles get promotions within their, you know, line of work, like on the offensive side of the ball um, from, from without calling plays. You know, the Eagles are a major market. At the time, I looked and said, you know, Carson Wentz is coming off a great year like he's an attractive piece but now you look at it and you say Doug's on the hot seat so if I take this job who knows a year from now like if I even have a job because they might completely clean house I don't know if I'm calling plays so that's a major issue and the quarterback thing can't be overlooked like whoever is brought in here a large part of their job and their expectation is going to be to either fix Carson or to bring along whatever rookie quarterback or Jalen Hurts or whatever they end up with like this is not a super attractive job anymore, especially if you're not calling plays. So 
if you're not going to call plays, they're going to end up with another Rich Gangarillo. And let's say just, you know, hit a home run or, or you know, just end up getting this phenomenal hire that no one saw coming. But they're not going to get the top names. They're not going to get the top candidates, no matter how much money they throw at them. And the question is, will they give up? Will Doug give up play calling? So I kind of think the fact that they're reshuffling their staff leads me to believe that he might be able to because the commitment to Lur- from Lurie seems to be more just to Doug the person as a head coach than it is like Doug's offense because it's now the second off season in a row where they're going to kind of blow up the coaching staff. Um, but like, if you're going to put coaches under Doug and allow him to call plays, you have got to let him make those hires. Yeah. I, I look, I, I, we've talked a lot on, on this pod and I think we both agree. The idea that, that a Super Bowl winning head coach can't pick his staff is, is insanity. I mean, it's, it wouldn't happen anywhere else in the NFL. And well, it's also just a losing strategy. Like even if Doug wasn't a Super Bowl winning head coach, like your head coach should hire the coaches he works with, you know, like, yeah, you, it should be someone he can work well with. Like, of course. It's someone he right. wants to work with. Someone, someone he believes in. Someone he trusts. Someone like, he trusts. Someone Elliot, he, that is a someone he feels invested in, totally. you know, like all of those things. So and now look, his resume does speak for it. Like he should be allowed to hire his own coaches. But again, like outside of that, it's just not the way to do things. We saw that this year, like, and you know, this isn't, I, I, I don't want to like overstate it, but I brought it up. Like even the fact that Press Taylor is coaching Carson and like Jalen Hurts is talk, talking to Marty Morningweg and like, I don't know, it's just, they need way more continuity, way more structure. And that all starts with, with pulling play calling. So like, would you pull play calling from Doug? Well, you know I would. Uh, I'm uh, and look. I would particularly if it's going to get me an offensive mind that I want. And, and I, I, I. The thing as we talked about, and granted, you know, we'll get into the tanking effects and all that stuff because it does seem, as we've talked about with some of the voices coming out, that you know, it, I still think it's a preposterous faux outrage thing. But it does seem like there are if people in the locker room are saying that it bothered them, then we have to talk about it. So we'll get there and and how that affects Doug, but. The thing I believe most in is Doug is is the leader of men, the ability to get guys to buy in, the ability to get guys to play hard for him and all that type of stuff. And the offensive genius part of it is is secondary for me because, you know, I have not been as impressed as others with the play calling over the last few years. So, yeah, I would be happy to to go find someone. And again, though, I don't want Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman picking someone out and saying, here's your guy, Doug, go. I, I would want Doug involved and, and on board and happy with the choice. But I, I do think that I, I just think that, like you said, in my mind, you're, you're just going to end up with a, another Scangarello type hire if you don't offer people play calling. For sure. Now, I would be more into keeping Doug with the play calling than you would just because I like the idea of giving Doug one more year. Like tell Doug, look, we're going to keep you. Go hire your staff, run your offense. And then with the understanding, like, it doesn't work though 2022 you're gone like then we're just completing the rebuild so kind of like the same way when we talk about the quarterback position you like the idea of going with Jalen Hurts and then just seeing what happens like I do like the idea of giving Doug a year with you know probably Carson or Jalen Hurts but potentially a rookie I would be somewhat surprised but uh either one of those two for a year see what happens and then just if it doesn't work in 2022 you're like million in cap space if you've traded Carson or whatever, where you can just completely rebuild. So I like the idea of giving Doug one more chance where he he can pick his own staff, he can call plays, and if it doesn't work, you're rebuilding. But, you know, I I don't know if I like the idea of taking play calling from Doug, even though I know he can be successful as like a Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll type of guy. I just... I don't know where he's at with it. I'd have to, re- I'd have to feel really comfortable that he's actually okay with it, and it's not something he's just doing like against as well. No, it's a great point, and I really do like the idea that look, they brought Doug back. We both said we would have brought him back, but it's clearly. I don't think we need anyone to tell us that this is a make or break season for Doug Peterson, especially with how close you know a lot of us thought he might get fired this year. Um, so I right. think another horrendous year in Doug's almost assuredly gone. So if you're going to believe in Doug, if you're going to essentially, as we've talked about, we think kind of choose Doug over Carson, you know, because you know, we'll get to the Carson relationship and all that. But um, I-, I think that you almost have to say, all right, Doug, if we're going to choose you, we're going to let you, you know, make your bed and see what happens, you know, and say, all right, Doug, this is your year. Like you're in charge, go. And I do think that's a fascinating thought. And, 
But again, it all comes back to them letting him pick their coaches. I'll ask you point blank. Do you think that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman will let Doug pick the coaches? Yes. Wow. I do this I time. don't. I, I, do. I hope you're right. I don't, though. What makes well, you believe so, it? Because the re- what makes me believe it is in 2015 when Lurie gave Chip like one more year and just gave him the power and says this is the only way it's going to work. I wonder if Lurie's seeing that he tried to like put coaches around Doug and that made it even worse. I mean, look, their offense in 2019, we all agree was not great, but I think they still were like 12th in points scored the year. They dropped to 26 this year. So it was a dramatic drop off. So Doug with Mike Grow, who I know is not a popular name around here, but at least was a coach that Doug liked and trusted. Like they were 12th in the league and quarterback plays a part of that. Carson was way better in 2019 than he was in 2020. He wasn't great in 2019, but he was clearly way better than the you know, a bench quarterback that he was in 2020. So I think that Lurie might sit here and say, you know what, if I'm going to keep Doug kind of like how, when I was going to keep chip, like I got to let it do, let him do it his way. And that's sink or swim. So in that way, I, I think that Doug, like it's weird to say coming off the hot seat that he has more power, but I think it's almost like a look, man, here's your chance. Like get it done or not, but I'm going to let you do it your way. Yeah, and look, again, I, I, I would be okay with that. Again, is the idea of, all right, let's go. This is your year, Doug. Let's see what happens. Um, I would be okay, especially because, as you know, we've talked about, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about far more as this offseason progresses, but the idea that I am far more pessimistic about their chances this season than you are to begin with. So, uh, you know, it's not a year where I'm expecting them to compete for a Super Bowl or anything. So I'm I'm more... I'm more willing to to give Doug a year in that sense. You know what I mean? Where I'm not as much like, yeah. like if I think we're not going to be that great anyway, you know what? Let's see what Doug's got. Let's give Doug a shot. If we're going to buy it to Doug Peterson, he is the only head coach that has ever won us a Super Bowl. People get so mad when you talk Super Bowl, but let's be real. The guy won a Super Bowl. Like I would be down to give the guy who won us a Super Bowl three years ago, by the way, um, a, a shot, yeah. you know, uh, one last shot on his terms, his way. I, I'm with you. I, I do think that, Again, I am, as I said at the top, if they can find a, a, a young, up-and-coming offensive play caller who, who everyone's excited about, a Joe Brady type, a Graham Harrell, whoever it is, you know, obviously it won't be Brady. He's going to be head coach soon enough. But that type of guy, and they want to give him play calling and Doug's okay with that, I'm, I'm all in on that. I love that idea. But I do think with the likelihood that they're probably not going to find that type of guy and – uh, you know, I, I would be all right with saying, all right, Doug, this is your show. You run it. Look, because it can't be worse than what Howie and Jeffrey have done with these coaches over that's the last right. couple well, of years, right? Thing too. Yeah, and, like, Doug looked miserable this year, right? Like, I don't know. I think that probably plays a part into it. Like, we we spent so many episodes kind of being like, well, that was an interesting Doug Presser. Like, man, he looks miserable or he, he looks some type of way. Like, I do wonder if that played a role into it. Like, just give Doug a year, see if he can do it. And if he can't, you move on. Like, you do. But – I think you got to find out what Doug can do with his own coaching staff. Yeah, uh, I think it's a really, really good point, Elliot. It's almost like you're hamstring- hamstringing him from the start if you don't give him that opportunity. I think it's fascinating. Um, all right, uh, I want to get into the Carson Wentz part of this, and uh, and obviously we'll finish out with the tanking, you know, ra- tying a bow on that ridiculous conversation. Uh, but first, it's playoff time, baby. It is playoff time, and if you have not downloaded the Parks Casino Sportsbook app, I don't know what to tell you anymore. Please, I am telling you, it is so fun. It's easy to use. It's intuitive. And betting on games just flat out makes them more fun. Like, look, the Eagles aren't in the playoffs this year, sadly, but let's have something to root for. You know what you can root for? Your wallet. By downloading the Park Casino Sportsbook app and betting on these games, there are so many games to bet on. You can bet on not just the games, but... Uh, you know, uh, how, how many touchdowns someone will score in a game, uh, halftime score. Uh, you can bet on right now future bets. Who's going to win the title? All that type of stuff. And, of course, every game on the slate this weekend. Elliot, any uh, early thoughts on the park's pick of the week? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting week because I think there's a few no-brainers. Like Cleveland Cleveland uh, is six-point underdogs. Like they're a mess right now. I kind of really like Pittsburgh minus six. I feel like that's an easy call. Uh, I think that Buffalo minus six and a half feels like an easy call as well. But one of the more like close lines that I think would be an interesting game to bet, it'll be stressful, but I think you'll feel good about yourself afterwards for like calling a real upset. I do think that Titans plus three and a half. I think Ooh. Tennessee plus three and a half would be a good one. Uh, I think that they have a really good chance to win that game. So 
that would be like my most intriguing game of the weekend. It's not the easiest bet, but that'd be my most intriguing one. And pay attention tomorrow. Uh, we will put out our Parks Picks pod, and we will go through every single game uh, on the playoff slate. So you'll hear where I stand on those games. Spoiler alert, I'm with them on some, not with them on others. Nice. You got to tune into the All show right. tomorrow for that, but you can bet on every single game on the slate. And here's the deal. If you sign up now, you get a risk-free bet of up to 5 $100. Yes, $500. Download the app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA and use our promo code GOBIRDS. That's G-O-B-I-R-D-S to get your risk-free bet of up to $500. Again, that's P-A-R-X casino.com slash PA. The website has all the details. Your risk-free bet is refunded on your loss as a free bet. As always, you must be 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Gambler. All right, Elliot, let's get to the Carson Wentz part of this uh, because that is kind of the next step with the Doug Peterson Carson Wentz thing. And and as you said before, I think we don't all agree Doug will be back, you know, the whole tanking fiasco uh, notwithstanding. But Doug will be back, uh, or really appears like Doug will be back next season. Um, Carson Wentz. So we have had multiple reports recently, and, you know, Adam Schefter coming out and uh, talking about a fractured relationship between Doug and and Carson and uh, Carson wanting out essentially, and then Rob Motti uh, putting out a report that that's not exactly true and that Carson wants to work on it and and try and fix things here and that he's not committed to leaving or anything like that. Where do you stand right now on the conflicting Carson Wentz reports? What's your belief on where Carson Wentz is at and you know how this is going to play out? As as again, maybe the biggest decision that has to be made by the the team this offseason is how they handle this. So the Rob Marty report to me was very interesting because Rob Marty Rob Marty is very obviously a very good reporter, works the Associated Press, has very good sources on Carson, I would say. You know, like I would trust his sources on that. And I think that the fact that even Rob Marty's report was Wentz is thinking about it type of deal shows that this is very real. Like I would have expected a report to come out at this point like, oh, Carson doesn't feel that way. Like, this is being blown out of proportion. Like, Carson's going to be back in 2021. Like, that type of thing. None of that's come out. Like, even yeah, or the even most... on his own Twitter account, like, saying anything about it. Like, a word, right. you know? Jason Kelsey, and we'll get to his comments, but he put on Instagram posts and talked about the tanking thing. Like, Carson Wentz has had every opportunity, and again, speaking at the end of the season, decline. He's had every opportunity to stand up and say these reports aren't true, and and it is notable that he hasn't done that in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Now, so the question is, one of the reasons I wasn't like as one hundred percent sure Doug was definitely back is just because of the whole dynamic with him and Carson. Like, could Lurie pick Carson over Doug, and could their meeting that they have lead to that? Like, I wonder with the coaching staff decisions. This is where you're really going to have to like commit to Carson or not. Like, if you're bringing Carson back. I think personally he's going to want like not some say, but he's going to like be very interested in who the coaching staff is. Cause part of the reason he went out of Philly out of sight of all the other dynamics is him and Doug just don't seem to work. And so if Doug is back and you have a new play caller, like then I think Carson would be way more interested in coming back because I don't think the thing with him and Doug is like a personal hatred for each other. I just don't think Carson thinks, that he can win with Doug. And I don't think Doug thinks he can win with Carson, but if you hire an offensive coordinator, if you bring in somebody that Carson feels there will legitimately be like a newness to the offense and a freshness, maybe he's willing to come back. Now I wouldn't bend over for Carson like that. I would not do that. But if you're going to bring him back, I think you have to take him into consideration in terms of, of who you're hiring. So it'll be interesting to see in terms of the hires, how much they allow Carson to be part of it. But but overall, I, I still think this is headed towards a divorce. I think that if Carson was definitely going to be back, they would have fired Doug. Um, I think now you're entering the arena of potentially bringing Doug and Carson back. And even with a new offensive coordinator, I still think that's not an inspiring thing to head into the season with. Um, I think Carson wants out. I think that's, that's where this is headed. And as you mentioned, like he could have denied it by now. So the fact that it's still out there, we'll see what the next step is. Like, I do think to trade him, there might have to be some point of reconciliation because they're going to have to work together to get him out of there. And I think that it helps his trade value and helps the Eagles willingness to trade him. If people don't think they have to trade him. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was maybe some point where there seemed to be 
a, a makeup between the two, but I still think this is headed towards a divorce. Yeah, that's where I lean to. And look, I think, you know, it, it's in the every best interest of the Eagles to make it seem like Carson Wentz is going to be back next year and that they want Carson Wentz back yep. next year. I mean, that's, that's again, it's you lose all the leverage in the world if you have to trade him. You know, it changes the dynamic completely. So I, I'm very with you on that. I still think that's where we're heading ultimately. Now, Howard Askin on the Midday Show today did say he thinks Carson's going to be back and he thinks they're going to have a, a, a legit competition between Hurts and Wentz. And obviously Howard knows things and hears things, but um, I just... I just think there's I've, I know this has kind of been the, the phrase I've used, but but I'm still just in that there's too much baggage here. And especially with Hertz here and with what happened this year with Doug and Carson, what at least we believe the relationship between them to be or at least the certainly some sort of fractures in that relationship. It just feels like it's it's too much. It feels too much to try and bring Carson back, and then like, can you think you can bring Carson back and have him compete for the job? Like, is that a? I think it's well, pretty, you can't do that exactly. Yeah, That's my point. That. That's my point. So you're you're bringing Carson back as the unequivocal starter of the team. Like, I don't know, man. I just. It's just not something I see. Like, I just. It, I think that's what Carson sees too. You mean does he doesn't see it either? You think Carson sees him? Yeah, like I, I think he looks and sees kind of what you see. Like, what am I going to come back here and compete? Like, it's like it's just that's not a. I don't think he's afraid of competition as much as he just thinks it's not a, a situation that's helpful for his career. Like, I don't think any quarterback, if given the choice, would say I could go somewhere and be the starter or I could come back and compete. Like, I don't think there's a manly competition. I'm like a franchise quarterback part of deciding to go to the competition. Like I just don't. So I think that Carson looks and says, even if I come back, is this a situation that's going to be successful for me? And I don't think he views that. So I think he, he, he says I will be better off somewhere else. Yeah. And that's not even including all the, you know, for, that's just talking situation and, you know, uh, uh, fighting for the job and competition. But then on top of that, like then you add in, all that's happened over the last few years and all the baggage and the Nick Foles baggage and the Eagles drafting Hurts baggage and the 12 games he played this year baggage and just one thing after another, after another, after another. It just, again, it just feels like we've we've crossed that line, so to speak. You know, it's just gone too far to pull back in. It is, and look, we could be wrong. Elliot and I could be wrong and and the the Eagles could say, you know what, we've committed a, a, a hundred and twelve, you know, whatever the contract is to this guy. And, you know, we've we've done this, this and this and this to try and get success out of him. And, and we're not willing to give up on this yet. We're, we're you know, we don't want to take this hit or whatever. Like there that could happen. I just would be surprised. Like, I, I just really feel like no matter what you hear between now and whatever the March, whatever it is, the day the league year opens, the 17th or whatever it is. Um, and then, uh, you know because obviously nothing's going to happen before then. Um, no matter what you hear between now and then, I'm not going to, it's not going to change my opinion that unless someone. Got, the Eagles are going to have to really, really, really want to make it work. Like both sides. Like there's both just sides. so much really to both sort sides. through. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think Carson might not want to make it work even more than the Eagles. You know, I mean, again, all the stuff and we don't, again, it is not from his mouth. So, you know, we can't say he said it or whatever, but all the stuff that has been put out, we assume by his people. And certainly again, the stuff that he has not smacked down in any way, shape or form, which if nothing else, you know, even if he didn't said it, it will lend credence to the fact that, that he feels it, you know, is all about a fractured relationship and about how Carson feels betrayed. And, you know, you all these words that have come out, like those are not light words. Those are not, you know, things to be taken lightly. I mean, that, that is a, 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 an emotional feeling for someone. And I just think it's hard to, to fix that. Like it's, it's, it's hard to fix that, particularly considering the situation that the Eagles are in with Hertz, with, you know, a, a locker room again, like this is also a locker room that just saw Carson Wentz be horrible for 12 weeks. And then Jalen Hurts rein and granted it didn't end up going anywhere, but reinvigorate the, the, the hope of the team and make them win a, a game. And like, just like kind of like, felt like that that excitement again like i don't know you know it's it we haven't even talked about that really but a locker room dynamic question like how many players on the team actually want carson back like we don't yeah. know we don't know when it, and that position you know i always talk about leadership being the guy above the shoulders like it might be hard for carson to even be the leader in that locker room again we don't know yeah yeah you're right i mean i'm just interested in when we're going to get the next bit of news when there's going to be the next like step in this because I do think there's something to be said for both sides allowing it to become like 
to cool down before they meet and talk. But I mean, they got to make a decision soon. Like you don't want to go into to the draft, not knowing what you're doing totally. at quarterback. And I know the draft's a few months away, but you know, like if you're going to trade Carson, like it's going to start around combine time and that's in February. So you know, you're like a month away from that. So I, I they're, they're going to have to figure out what they're doing soon if they don't already know. It's a great point. Um, one more part to this Wednesday thing um, before we move on. Uh, today, uh, interesting news from around the NFL. There are whispers uh, that Deshaun Watson might yes. ask for a trade yeah. out of Houston. Now, obviously, this is just some preliminary stuff. There's no real true, you know, rock-solid reports he wants out, whatever, but it is something that is is being talked about. Let's say Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. In your mind, how does that affect this whole Car- trading Carson Wentz thing because that changes the market. Yeah, well, it makes it that any team that's willing to trade a lot for a quarterback is not going to be calling the Eagles first, right? I mean, <laughs> Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz is. So if if you're the Colts, and I know you have that connection to Carson, but if you're the Colts and you're willing to deal a first or second round pick, like you call the Texans and see what's going on with that. Or if you're the Broncos or Washington or any of these teams, like it does, it, it does impact that. And, you know, from that perspective, I wonder if it in- increases the chances of Carson coming back because those teams I'd be willing to, to pay a lot would, would go after De- Deshaun Watson. But the flip side is, you know, if, if you're a team that wants to trade for a quarterback and you don't want to deal a ton, maybe you talk yourselves into a two for Carson. I don't know. But I, it doesn't help for sure. I, I don't think having Deshaun Watson available helps the Eagles' chances of trading Carson. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, they hire a coach he wants and he backs off it and just stays there and – Because I'm with you. I think it just makes everything just a little bit harder. You know, obviously Carson Wentz isn't commanding in trade anything close to Deshaun Watson right now. So obviously they're like two different markets for the guys, you know. But to your point, like you want as many suitors who want Carson Wentz or want a quote-unquote quarterback um, as possible. And if there's a better quarterback out there and you have to pay a little more, you pay a little more, but you get a better guy, you know, that that does make it more difficult. So uh, I'm with you. I think it is not ideal, but... We'll see kind of where it shakes out in the next few days with this Deshaun Watson trade thing. Um, all right, quickly, before we get out of here, I, we so we talked on on Monday, obviously, a lot about um, the way the season ended. Nate Gate. The Nate, tanking, Gate. Nate Gate, which is by far the best name for it I've seen yeah. yet. Nate Gate. Another and, and one real of the quick, just off, we'll, allow, we'll remember in our lives. Yes, clearly Nate Gate is right at the top. Real quick, and we're going to get into the specific, real quick, just to, on, on Nate, since you brought him up, I, I do... I feel so bad for Nate Sudfeld because in this whole thing, all the back and forth and all that, like the one thing that's been consistent is that everyone in America seems to say that putting Nate Sudfeld into a game is purposefully losing. And it's like, poor Nate Sudfeld, man. Like that guy's an NFL player who's, you know, toiled away. He's been here. He was the backup in the friggin' Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and, you know, like he finally gets a shot to go out there in a tight game and, and try and have a little fun and do something. And, and everyone just shits all over him. Like, I, I do feel bad for Nate Sudfeld and all this because, well, you know, and, and granted, you know, you know, bad to a degree. He made um, $2 million. I'm not, like, you know, crying for Nate, but I do think he's getting right. a pretty raw deal in all this. Well, the, the, so the thing to me is it's one thing for us to say Nate Sudfeld sucks. It's another, it's one thing for, like, the Eagles to maybe feel it. But in, in all seriousness, I thought it was super messed up what Joe Judge said in terms of basically implying that the Eagles were disrespecting the integrity of the game by trying to lose. And what he really means is by putting in Nate Sudfeld. Yep, 100%. Like that's, that's an opposing head coach, somebody that works for another organization that is speaking this way about it. I just, I don't know. I thought that was super messed up, in my opinion. I it think was. that's like a level that you don't cross and like basically calling another player on a team super bad. I just, I, I mean, Joe Judge thing, in general was ridiculous. Like for the guy yeah, was with the I Patriots for eight years. You're going to talk us about the integrity of the game, pal. Really? Really? Right. Mr. Well, Patriot. And, and, and also like, you know, all those things he mentioned about, you know, taking the testing every day, doing all that stuff. Like the Eagles did that too. You know, like the Eagles didn't have any COVID violations this season. Like the Eagles took COVID seriously. So this idea that like, because the giants had to deal with COVID, the Eagles should have tried to win. Like, no, sorry, buddy. Like, you should have gone better than six and 10. You know, like I just, I thought this whole thing about like, I'll never do that while I'm the head coach of the Giants. Like, first of all, you haven't done anything as head coach of the Giants. So maybe accomplish something before you talk about what you will and won't do, right? Like, and I don't know. I just, 
his whole thing was, I thought it was such like a publicity stunt and I'm sure it went over well with Giants fans and his players. And in that way it's worth it for him because they were probably upset about what happened. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm like, yo buddy, I know we were bad this year, but you know, First of all, Doug Peterson has accomplished, you know, way more in, in his oh career than you have. The He's Eagles, a Super Bowl winning head coach, pal. Right. The Eagles have been to the playoffs four times in the last 10 years. The Giants have only been there once. So this idea that, like, the Giants are going to speak to somebody about the integrity of the game, like, you know, don't don't say anything to anybody about how to lose because you've been doing plenty of that on, on your own. I don't think they – we like, the Eagles need no advice from the Giants when it comes to how to run a franchise. Yeah, the hypocrisy is, is rich because you know all those Giants fans were – talking about tanking for Chase Young and wanting to lose. I mean, like, just, just stop with all the BS. We Call it for what it is. It, it's hypocrisy, and it's it's total BS. I will say, and and to your point, and obviously, screw the Giants. Like, win more than six games. Stop crying. It is, it is outrageous. And we all agree. Like, if this game were at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we've talked about that. But, if you know, there's none of this. I, I will say, and I think that, look, if you're going to kill the Eagles for this, because we both think it was the smart thing to do to find a way to lose that game, you killed them for the execution of it. As I said, they should have started Nate Sudfeld to start the game. Like, Nate should have been their quarterback for the right. game. But if nothing else, bring him out to start the second half. Like, don't wait till the fourth. I thought they executed it very poorly the way they did it. But the the faux outrage that is just so over the top, and, and that's what I want to get to because, look, we've heard different things from the locker room, conflicting views, right? Miles Sanders comes out on the midday show and says everyone in the locker room hated it, essentially and says they were confused, they didn't know why it was happening. Then you hear from Jason Kelsey, who puts out, and then Kavon Wallace, you know, tweeting out, you know, trying to win and all that. And then Jason Kelsey comes out and says, we knew about it. I was excited Nate Sudfeld was going to play. This is nothing. Like, stop with this. Brandon Graham says similar things, tells the Giants to shut up. Like, what do you make of this dichotomy almost coming out of the locker room and and to your point, this is something we, because you and I both, when we did the show on Monday, we were both very, um, flippant's not the right word, but like kind of just, you know. Laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, didn't take it very seriously as anything that could have ram, long-term ramifications past a day or two of people whining and complaining. Um, what do you make of the, the dichotomy of the voices coming out of the locker room? And then does the voices come out of the locker room at all change your opinion of the, the potential ramifications of this moving forward? It's a tough question because I can't sit here and say that Miles Sanders saying everybody was upset about it is just something to be glossed over, right? Miles is on the team. He talks to players. He said that it didn't help him to say that, right? Like you, I mean, you had Miles on your show every week. We talked to him every week in the media. Like he's not really somebody that says outlandish things. Like I would say he's pretty guarded in that way. So for him to come out and say that, I, I, I thought was definitely noteworthy, right? And I, so I can't overlook that. Um, and then Kelsey comes out and says, I, I thought a statement that kind of contradicted Miles in a way. Um, so I think it speaks to the fact that there's just kind of two versions of players on the Eagles right now. There's the older players that have been here, and there's the guys like Miles Sanders who are young. Like, my guess is when Miles says everybody was upset, he's talking about the guys that he's friends with on the team. Yep. You know, that like, that's my thought too, Elliot. Outside of the Novacare, that maybe they have like a group chat with or whatever, you know? And like, they're like, wow, that was messed up. And then there's Kelsey, who probably having been there for so long is, you know, 10 years older than a lot of these players, like hangs out with a different group of people. So I think that that's kind of where it's at. Ultimately, what I think is this does not matter. I don't think this means Doug has lost the locker room. I don't think it's a long-term ramification thing. I don't think this will ever come back up ever unless the media brings it back up. Like, unless like, you know, in week three or whatever, there's something it's like, well, you know, maybe Doug lost. Like, I, I don't. I do not believe this is a long-term problem from the Eagles. I think if this happened in week seven, now it wouldn't because of the circumstances, but like if they had to play another game, maybe this becomes a bigger story, but everyone's leaving the Novacare. They're going to, you know, go back to their respective homes. They'll have time. If you are upset about it, you'll have time to cool off. And by the time you come back, like frankly, the people that were probably really upset about it don't even have like locked up spots on the roster. So I, I, I don't believe this is a long-term problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm basically a hundred percent with everything you said i think that it's clear there's different factions in the locker room. not in terms of like warring but just like people are clicks whatever you want to call it friends with different people and all that and maybe miles was talking to a group of people jason brandon talking to other people i think look clearly especially for miles sanders someone who was not active 
for the game. I think it's, you know, it t- it takes a little bit more of the edge off the comments because, like, bro, you weren't even playing, man. Like, you know, like. Well, then maybe that's why he wouldn't know Nate was going to play. Which is like, possible, I do too. Think that's part of it, I yes. Think, that is a good point. Like, I and I think part of, you know, the thing was Doug didn't communicate it properly. Well, it seems like the players that played in the game were aware that this was going to happen. Like, Miles, you know, was not part of the game plan because he wasn't playing. So, you know, I, I think that that's part of it as well. I just don't look like there's so many things to rip the Eagles about. Like we don't have to rip Doug for this. I don't think he handled it poorly. I don't think any of these things, like, I don't think he's people players are going to respect him less. Like, I mean, Kelsey came out and said it wasn't confrontational on the sideline. So I don't know. I, I don't think this is a long-term problem. I, I don't either. Again, I think, I think, you know, we're prisoners of the moment. Um, things that seem like a, a huge deal in the moment especially with sports and stuff, yeah. often. And I often, enjoy that part. Me too. Like, we love it. We, yeah, it's a blast. A moment, all that Talk stuff. about yeah. it and react and all that, but the, the long-term ramifications, I'm so with you, man. I think that once the, the time off is done and these guys come back for training camp, like it will be a distant, 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 distant memory. And, you know, I think that ultimately, I, literally, I think there will be zero long-term ramifications from this. I really do. And I, I agree. I think... Look, I think if nothing else, as I said before, I think they executed this poorly. I think clearly, and I think maybe it is, to your point, a guys who are playing versus guys who are not playing. But clearly, I hope Doug learns from this that in a similar situation, the messaging will be wider and stronger to the entire team. Like, he will let everyone know what is happening and what the plan is in a, in a better way. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, this feels like a an all-time well, mountain out of a molehill type story. And, and also, the only way this becomes a problem again is if the Eagles' larger problems persist. Like, this won't be a problem if they're 3-0. and You know, if they, if they get out to a 5-1 and start. No one's going to be bringing this up. The only way it's going to be a problem is if they're a bad football team again. And then this is something people feel like they can point to. You know, so I, I saw a clip uh, today of the Buffalo Bills preparing for their playoff game. And they're I dancing. I saw that, and they're too. Like, Felt right? like 2017 and, Eagles vibe right there. Yeah, and to me, the whole takeaway from it was life is just so much easier when you're winning like the bills have been one of the worst franchises in the league over the last years like they never win anything right now part of that is they're they were in the division maybe the best football team of all time so that's part of it but like now they're winning they're dancing like all that stuff like these problems will go away once the eagles are good again and they're not gonna get good again without higher draft picks like the tanking thing is not a long-term problem with this franchise the long-term problem is they might not have the right general manager. They don't have a quarterback. Who knows if Doug, you know, I think Doug's a good head coach, but who knows if I'm right about that. So Young talent, those all that the, stuff. Yeah, those are the problems. This tanking thing is only going to be a problem if their top five problems really are an issue. And then and then it comes to, you know, well, they tanked and blah, blah, blah. But if they're good, this is not going to be an issue. I'm so with you, man. I'm so winning breeds positivity. And we see that. Yeah. Like, again, like 2016, the end of 2016, like, People were calling for Doug to be fired after one year and winning those last whatever three games, four games, whatever it was, really helped. Uh, but people were like, "Get this guy out! He's something." We had the Jim Schwartz power play that you know McLean reported on before the the twenty eight seventeen season started, and then and Doug made those comments about the ninety five Packers and this roster being as good and all that, and like everyone killed him and like this idiot and all that, and then then they start winning. And it did, and again, also after that second game, with not running the ball and the Isaac Sayamalu stuff, like we were still stuff. And then they start winning, and it all just went away. It was all gone. It was done. All right. of it was done. It's a great point. Like you're, you're absolutely right. Losing breeds this type of uh, was, culture and issues and all that type of stuff. I was watching a uh, Super Bowl hype video a few days ago. Like it was one leading up to the game, like one of those Eagles hype videos, and it reminded me that. As much as they need new talent and stuff like that, you look back and like they had such great people on that team. You know, like they had like such a great locker room. Like it was such like a special group that really like connected. Like Tory Smith, like Chris Long, like you know Brent Selleck, like just got Malcolm Jenkins, right? Like who's not here anymore? Like they just had guys that I think made that team better. Like yes, they were a talented roster, but. I don't know if you can look and say like they were so supremely talented that that's why they won. Like, I don't think it was like a Patrick Mahomes situation where you're like, well, they have the best quarterback in the league. Of course they're going to win. Like they won because like they came together as a group and totally you have to prioritize talent first. I get that. But I do think the Eagles overall would benefit from like some version of a culture change and getting a different group of players into that locker room that I think can help bring that back. I am so with you, man. 
I'm so hey, look, we talk about it all the time with 2017, but that was they were a great roster. They were a great team. You know, Wentz was amazing when he was playing. Foles obviously stepped up in the two biggest games and played just flat out brilliantly in those games. But I think on a basic level, the thing that that differentiated the 2017 Eagles from, you know, other teams that year and other great Eagles teams and all that was the the culture and the locker room and the vibe and the 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 it really true that we all we got we all we need like it for the it more than any other team in my lifetime that I've rooted for my lifetime Elliot and, and all the teams I've ever watched in Philadelphia sports every team I've ever rooted for this was the most together group of guys I've ever seen like the most cohesive yeah. most committed most loving each other all that stuff like it felt like a family as a team and it's the only time I've ever truly experienced that well and you know, not to humble brag, but like as I was in that locker room throughout the season and like it just it feels it felt so different. Like just being in that locker room and this year, granted with COVID, I wasn't able to be in, in this this locker room, but even just that locker room to the 2019 locker room, there's just a di- there was just a different vibe. Like there was so much more like accountability and like stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I just I think like that's one of the problems the Eagles uh the Eagles need to fix that maybe we don't talk about enough. Like, yes, talent's an issue, all that stuff. But, and the one thing about the tanking where for the people that were like, you know, morally offended by it, the the one argument I do kind of agree with is it does speak to the fact that the Eagles have gone from what they were in 2017 to purposely losing a game. You know, like that's a, that's a, that's a long fall to make and they made it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, they did. And, and I mean, look, we know we've seen it. it's been a steady decline worse each year. So um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I do think that, you know, we we harp. We we talk so much about the roster, about Doug, about this and that when um, there is, you know, a, a, I do think that that type of stuff, the culture, the group of guys, how they all work together, how hard workers they are, all that type of stuff is, is a big factor that is like you don't see it every day. You don't. You can't look on the field and be like, "Oh, we missed that tackle because he's not a team guy," or what? You know that type of stuff. But like, right. but it does permeate and it does matter, and it's something we don't talk about enough. I agree with you. Yep. So, hopefully, it's something we never talk about again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like let's get back to we the, all we got, uh, we all we tank. need. Please. Uh, you got any final thoughts Amen. before we get out of here? So I cut my knee on my laptop oh, no. and like, it sounds almost sounds unbelievable. Like hard that to I do. Yeah. That. But I hit it like right at the, so it was on the couch laying upside down. Cause I lay it upside down sometimes. So it doesn't overheat. And I didn't like see it when I went to sit, sit down. So I sat down and I hit the underneath part right at like the edge, right on my knee where like my kneecap, like right where it bends. And I haven't had like a cut in a long time that like, where I bleed and I like require like there's a scab it's, it sucks it's no fun suck. and I can't believe I did it on my laptop yeah it it almost seems impossible I I, I yeah. kind of subscribe to that philosophy like how could you have possibly so we started the pod with one terrible thing we end it with another basically one, one, of the same one I would say I would say slightly more terrible but but on that note uh, one more just thank you to everyone for for letting us you know speak what was on our hearts and um yes you know, say what, what we felt needed to be said and just to, to vent with us and to kind of let us, you know, that catharsis of, of talking about it and, and sharing it. And um, I, I just, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for that opportunity because I had a lot of fun talking Eagles, but I came in not, not even wanting to talk Eagles and I had a blast doing it, but I really, nice. it's just been weighing on me. So I, and, and I'm sure Elliot and, and, and I'm sure most of the people listening. So, um, we're just grateful. We love you. We're, we're so yeah. Grateful. And look, like I said, if you guys disagree with us, none of us are bad people. Like, just hit us up. We can talk about it. That's all I ask. If you disagree and you're like, oh, like you know, well, you know, I I disagree with what Elliot's saying. Like, hit me up and we'll talk about it. I think that's one thing I just I want more of to happen. Like, just because we have different views on something doesn't mean we have to hate. I each think other. that's one There's of the certain, most important things certain, in this country. Things, that's one of those things in this country, Elliot. Elliot. We've got all these echo chambers and we've got all this, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, social media and all that, which is, you know, so, so many problems with it, but like where you just kind of hear your, your own beliefs parroted back and you, you, and you come to believe that there's no other way of thinking when, when, yeah, it is important throughout the history of this country, you know, to have discourse and to, to truly right. debate and discuss and do it without the threat of violence or the threat of right. Being, Not know, like it was handled yesterday. Totally. Totally. So yeah, I'm, I'm really with you on that. We would love to hear from anyone who would love to talk to us and um, or like to talk to us. And um, 
And again, just thank you to everyone who allowed us to do it and to talk. It really, it means, it means so much. I, I can't, I can't express it in words, but just know that we are truly grateful for you guys. All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Parks Pick Show coming up tomorrow as we'll dive into some playoff football, Elliot. How about that? Six playoff games this weekend. Love it. It's going to be beautiful. I know. Can't wait. Can't, can't wait. wait. Good ones, too. Good so, ones, excited too. Excited to talk about So we will dive into those tomorrow again. Thank you to everyone who listened and, and gave us a chance to, to talk about um, you know what's going on, and uh, it really does mean the world. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow for Elliot. I'm James. We'll talk to you guys soon.